This is September 10th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. And do you know, do you want to know why I think this week is so great? Do you want, do you want to know why? Do you really want to know why? Well, that's because hockey is technically back this week. Training camp starts on Thursday, September 12th. So technically it's back. It's technically back. Doesn't really come fully back until the regular season starts. That's when most people start to care. But hockey is, there's news. There's stuff to talk about. There's stuff to look at and watch and read. And it's fun. Again, thank God. It's been such a long summer of nothing. And so now we got something. We got something to talk about. We got, we got, we, we, we have something to watch, which is good, which is very necessary. So to celebrate this, I had on DJ Bean of NBC Sports Boston, who, we get into a lot of stuff. I didn't think it, this podcast would go as long as it did. We started with training camp and sort of position battles, Anders Bjork, you know, all those guys. And then we got into contract talks because there's some rumblings on the Charlie McAvoy front. Not rumblings, but there's some stuff to talk about with that. You never know. So DJ and I talked about it and you're probably going to want to listen. And then after that, we get into sort of, he asked me a random question when I was wrapping this up. Uh, about where the Bruins would finish in the Atlantic Division. And that took us another, like, 15 minutes. So I think that was probably the most interesting part of the podcast. And it's at the end, which means you got to listen to the whole thing. So I hope you listen to the whole thing anyways, but you're really going to have to this time. But anyways, without further ado, here is my conversation with DJ Bean. And we're here with DJ Bean. DJ, what is up? Nothing, man. I'm very excited to be talking hockey. I was, you asked me to do this and I didn't see a text message that said, Hey, want to come on the podcast? I saw like my phone flashing saying, this is an exercise in you thinking about hockey, which you need to do because your brain hasn't done that in like weeks as it's been nothing but Patriots, Red Sox, whatever. So very excited to be using this part of my brain. Yes, because at heart you're a hockey guy. At heart you're deep down. At heart, absolutely a hockey guy. I uh, grew up playing hockey and stuff. Like so, like hockey was like always like what I did. Even if Patriots at, at one point got a lot better than the Bruins and the Celtics got better than the Bruins and everything, hockey was always the thing that I had and the thing that I did. So hockey, first love, main love. Yeah, hockey's my first and main love, but obviously. Sunday night with the Patriots and the Red Sox news with Dombrowski. Obviously, so much, so little of it revolving around the Bruins. But uh, actually, that might change within the next couple of days. We got rumblings of that. We'll talk about that later in this podcast. But first, training camp is upon us this week, September 12th. It's not the biggest thing going on in town, obviously, but it's still something that's happening. The Bruins are coming back after a Game 7 Cup loss last year that we were all uh, present for and maybe not the biggest fans of. Um, but with the Bruins in training camp, there's some some spots open on the roster. And they just had their uh, their prospects challenge out in Buffalo. I think they're still doing it, actually, as we record this, because recording it's on Monday. This drops Tuesday. Um, the big storyline of it is Anders Bjork. And he really shouldn't be at the prospects challenge because he's not a prospect anymore. He's right. so many he's a young guy. He has the playing time of a prospect, but he's, he's older than that. Um where do you see Anders Bjork fitting into this whole thing? 
Well, I mean, right now, Anders Bjork, I feel, is like an 18-year-old playing in junior that like <laughs> that went back after getting drafted. And you always see that happen. You're like, man, they spent a first-round pick on this guy, and he scored 16 goals in junior last year. He must suck. And then he goes back, and he's older, and he's bigger than everybody else, and he scores like 70 goals. And you're like, this is going to be the best player in the world. I feel like maybe we're experiencing that uh, a teeny bit with Anders Bjork. But, I mean, when they... When Anders Bjork came aboard and they realized that they had a, a, an actual prospect on their hands with this kid, everybody was thinking top six forward, right? So as you figure out what do you do with the top six, where do you put Pasternak? I mean, perfect world if you could slide in, if you could slide slide in Bjork with Marchand and Bergeron and have him be the guy that. For a million years, it was always just have those two guys and then put whatever you want next to them. It could be Riley Smith, and maybe Smith will go off and score uh, 20 goals. Or it could be Brett Conley, and maybe he'll be good in flashes and, and quiet in flashes. Normally, you can kind of put anybody there. I really like Danton Heinen there, but if uh, best-case scenario, if Bjork could play in that slot, then suddenly you you don't have to worry about moving Charlie Coyle to right wing to play with Krejci because you can put Pasternak there. And then you've got the luxury of playing Heinen on the third line, which, let's face it, offensively, that's probably more where he projects than being a top six guy. And you can play him with Coyle and whomever you want to put on that right wing. Obviously, he could also... uh Bjork obviously could also just be a third line guy and then you kind of do what you've done the last couple of years. Yeah, Bjork's kind of like the guy, the kid who stays back every year in like sixth grade and just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. And it's like, when's this kid gonna, when's this kid gonna get out of here and be a regular student? I mean, I, I look at it from your point of view. Put him on the first line. That if he, if he can play to that potential, which, which we've kind of seen bits and pieces of in the past, that solidifies that eliminates so many of your problems because, as you said, you have a right wing now for Krejci. It's Pasternak. Pasternak and Krejci love working together. Um, on the on the second line, you know, you have DeBrusque on, on the left side, and then on the third line, I don't think Stadnicka's ready to be a, a third line center. You don't want to just throw him right in there. And and, right. and you can see how it works. You can bring him up for parts of the year. It doesn't mean he has to stay there. It doesn't mean once he's up, he's he's up forever. You can bring him back down, but you don't want to hurt his development. Um, and, and this and- group's gotten better at that too, where they don't think, okay, he's this age or he's this experienced, time to play him, and that's that. I mean, they they absolutely botched the JFK thing, and we could talk about that all day. But but generally, like with how they handled DeBrusque, they were like, no, we are going to give him like a full proper year in the AHL and and see what shakes out for him. And I think that with Studnika, you don't rush him. Like if, if he's not if he's not ready, you're you're going you're going to be contending and you're going to be relevant for the first half of the season anyway. So the idea of rushing him right out of the gate, I don't think is necessarily smart. And to the Bjork point, I think we should credit Bergeron for Becoming more comfortable looking to his right, which is he's never had to do that because he always had he always had Marshand and 
he would admit that he'd be like, you know, like I'm just, I'm so used to, to looking to my left because I've, I've, I've got this guy and maybe having Pasternak expedited that. But I think that now playing with, with Bergeron as a right wing is an easier job production wise than, than it used to be. Yeah. And again, like you mentioned the contending aspect, they have four definitive centers. You have Bergeron, you have Krejci, you have Coyle, you have Corrali. That's fine. That's that's the most ideal scenario you could have at center, down right down the middle. That is a Stanley Cup uh, grouping of centers. That just is. And to, if Bergeron to, and Krejci are producing in the Stanley Cup, heyo, heyo, you got I got him there. It's funny. I tweeted out that thing because um, a few weeks ago, when that Boston Sports uh, survey came out, they mentioned how Krejci, I think, was the voted second most underachieving player of last year. And I was like, wait a second, this guy had a, tied a career high in points. What are you talking about? And someone replied, well, you know, he didn't show up in the Stanley Cup. And I said, well, neither did the top line. And and Pasternak was like on there at the bottom, but Bergeron and Martian weren't on there. So you can't, and then it wasn't off that standard. So, but getting back to my point, I think that there's no reason, you know, coil on the wing is fine. I mean, that's sure. fine. But it's got to be stable. He's got to be just a winger because, you know, I think it was uh, somebody said it recently. I can't put my finger on who actually said it. I think it was Sweeney um, said that it was Sweeney. It was Sweeney. And uh, my brain's fried. And he basically said, you know, Charlie's got to play one position and one position only. We can't have him going back and forth. That's not what's most comfortable for him. So they have a perfect scenario here where, they can do that. Just put him, put him at center. And then on the wings, you know, if Anders Bjork comes out of training camp being the guy, you put him on the first line, Pasternak on the second line, boom, why aren't we the coaches, DJ? Yeah, seems easy enough. But so that that's sort of my thing with, with Bjork. And then the other thing, real quick before we get to the big news of this, what I think will be this week, um, Zach Sinesian. Mm. This kid, I've been saying this for weeks. I'm going to be an asshole. Sinesian. Whatever. And so, <laughs> I, I don't care. I really just don't. Sedition, Sedition, tomato, tomato. I mean, if we were Jack Edwards, we'd go and. I was going to sure say, Jack, Jack and I were the uh, pronunciation police back in uh, my, my beat days. I don't know if there's anybody who's a stickler for it now. But like, even going into this, I was like, I'm not positive how to pronounce jack s's last name is it studnika like is it is it studnika like i what's, i what's hilarious is cassidy doesn't i think even, it's studnika but, Cass- but people have said it both well it's studnika and then like studnika so yeah it's, it, no one knows which way i don't know it if I it's don't... neek or nick i don't know but either. i'll tell you if i were on the beat man i would have i'd be banging down doors knowing how to pronounce that name that's why you're one of the best the hell out of people that's why you're one no of the that best. was the only thing that was the only thing i did i just learned how to say people's names and then uh, and that was it <laughs> well bruce cassidy can't even say grizzly he says grizzlich and not yeah. grizzlich so that's sort of his thing. no one is actually nobody on the beat is like super into pronunciation I that's mean, because Jack- your star that's because your star player changes the the pronunciation of his name every day so everyone gave up which i don't blame them that is true oh that wasn't that is annoying come nobody on says, brad I don't, yeah. I don't even know what it is at this point it's just brad M. i think that right now it's back to marshand but yeah that was a whole fiasco that is it's just, it, what was it? it was it was Marshawn in the eleven playoffs, and then the next year it was yes, Marshawn. And that was a couple years later. He said, uh, 
he said his name in context when I was talking to him for a story and I was like, wait, is it Mar, is it Marshan? And he was like, yeah, but it's no big deal. And I was like, no, people are saying your name wrong. Then like they should, people should know. So, uh, I just like put a, I just did like a little blog post saying like, Hey, I think we're all saying his name wrong. He said today that it's Marshand. And, uh, then there was like this big course correction and like even Jack like checked with him and he was like, okay, so it's Marshand. Okay. Even though you had said before it was Marshand. And, uh, then a couple years ago he changed it back to Marshand. So who knows? Yeah. Just call him 63. He's, I mean, yeah. he's got enough nicknames, good or bad. So. Yeah, BM sixty three. I don't want any beat people calling him Marshy though. That'd be a little. Uh, that's a little weird. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's it's a bit chummy. I think I may have called him. I, I think I've called him Marshy before. I mean, I probably have, but from the outside, I look and go, oh. But in the in, yeah. in the middle, say it. Um. So Zach S. Mm-hmm. Zach S. Senishin Senishin. It's like it's like venison Senishin. Yes, Zach Senishin. I will never forget that now. Thank you, DJ. Um, so there's a kid. There's a kid, 2015 NHL draft who was part of that class of busts, him and Zaboral. I'm saying mm-hmm. that right. So, oh, yeah. And DeBrusque. DeBrusque isn't a bust on the second line. He's fine. But it's Zaboral and Senishin. There's a chance, and I've been saying this for a little while now, that if Senishin works out, on the uh, somewhere in the lines makes the team third line maybe second line mm-hmm. right winger York doesn't pan out yeah he'd ha- he'd have to be top nine I'd say yes yeah the fourth line's pretty much good right now um, yeah doesn't that change the whole narrative of the 2015 draft I mean I know it's no. taken a- <laughs> unfortunately it doesn't like even DeBrusque like I'd have to go back and look but like if you make all those picks again you still don't even take DeBrusque. Well, yes, because you would pick literally the next three people. You'd pick right. Shabbat, you would take you would take Connor, Shabbat, Connor, and uh, and Barzal. why can't yeah, and Barzal, right? So even like God, God bless Jake DeBrusque. Even if you're making all those picks again, like DeBrusque is just the one that so far hasn't been a bust. He's been a good NHL player. Which I mean, really, at uh, at 14 overall. That's nothing to sneeze at. Once you're outside of the top 10 in the first round of the NHL draft, you're basically flipping a coin. So it's a good pick they made. It just wasn't the best pick they could have made. So even him, that wasn't ideal. I mean, it wouldn't, maybe wouldn't change the whole narrative, but it, it wouldn't be as big of a. Oh, if you say you got two NHL players out of it, then you're, then it gets more towards what happens with every team, which is, you picked this guy 17th and this really good player went at 30. And it's like, well, it's, there's a lot more projection involved in the NHL draft. That's why it's a lot harder than the NFL where you're choosing between guys who are essentially already NFL players. NHL draft, you're saying, what's this guy going to be in two, three years as his body is growing? It's an impossible task. Yeah. No, it really is. But the thing is, if, if Senishin goes on the second line and he's a, and he's a, 40, that seems a lot, but a 40 point player. And he yeah. keeps going a little bit, stays in that area. Not a bad pick. That, then it ends up not being a bad pick. Right, I then it the, ends up being, uh, uh, not again, like DeBrusque, where wasn't the best pick you could have made, but as you said, technically not a bad pick. Yes. Well, be, Sweeney and them are definitely probably pushing for this because the 2015 draft is, looks so bad on sort of the franchise as a whole that, you know, 
They have three oh yeah, picks, I mean one, two, three in the first round, and they miss on almost all of them. Yeah, Carlo ended up obviously being a, a saving grace there. That he ends up coming in a year after they draft him and becomes a a really steady player. Obviously, now he's a he's a good top four guy who was I, I, I think we all think fantastic uh, last postseason. But it's not amazing when you got three picks in a row in the first round, and the story that comes out of it is, hey, they nailed that second round pick it's again, and that was in the, in the, and it was in that same round that they took JFK, who I think uh, is like uh, uh, a cautionary tale in development with yes. like how quickly they yanked him out of school, and like if if they had, I feel like if they just left, if if they hadn't talked him into to coming out of school. I think that he's still stateside and they've got a real prospect on their hands versus we wonder now, is he the second coming of Alex Koklachev? Yeah. Now that whole situation was a debacle. So there's a lot of fun storylines kind of training camp with the roster, but none are as big as the contracts. Sign your players. <laughs> Sign your players. So now that training camp's upon us, the RFAs are plentiful. There's lots of RFAs out there um, that need to be signed to their teams. A lot of good ones. Bruins have uh, have two of them. If yeah. Charlie McAvoy and Brandon Carlo, as you all know pretty well at this point. It's pretty much the only storyline of the summer. One of the only ones. Um, so we're recording this Monday, September 9th. Now, McAvoy is not signed yet. But Zach Rowenski, who's a comparable defenseman for Columbus Blue Jackets, Another pending RFA or another RFA. Um, he signed for three years, uh, 15 million. Uh, contract breaks down as four million in year one, four million in year two, seven million in year three. Um, and Bob McKenzie had some interesting things to say on this. He said, uh, and he tweeted nothing imminent on the Charlie McAvoy or Ivan Provorov, uh, deals, but with camp opening this week and Wierenski, uh, signing to a three year, $15 million deal today. Expectation is talks on McAvoy and Provorov will heat up considerably in the next day or two. Wierenski could, uh, deal could be a catalyst for McAvoy and Provorov, but no guarantee either. Of the two big RFA defensemen, McAvoy has proclaimed his love for Boston, and it would appear he's much more inclined to want a longer term deal, six, seven, or eight years, question mark, than a bridge deal, two or three. So, Bobby Mack doesn't throw those things out there just to throw them out there. That's no. pretty. That's pretty. And I, and I, I, I think that the the athletic had a piece on it. I I apologize to whomever wrote it. It was it was one of the heavy hitters about the waiting game that was occurring with all these RFAs and you use the term catalyst with the with the forward group and the defense group. It was like one of these guys needs to sign for everyone to have an idea, and then similar contracts will go from there, perhaps. I don't like that the first one that happens is a bridge deal because if I'm the Bruins, I don't want, I don't want to sign Charlie McAvoy to three years and $15 million and then set him up for a huge deal with the next contract. I've said it. If, if you ever watch uh, us on NBC Sports Boston, I've probably said this 6,000 times. I always look at the Canadians and PK Subban and it is such a cautionary tale. He comes off his entry level deal. And he'd clearly flashed and he'd clearly shown he's going to be a star. And Mark Bergevin is hesitant to, to give him that huge contract that he wants or to go long with him. And he says, okay, we'll give you a two year, 
bridge deal and see what shakes out. What shakes out is Subban goes out, wins the Norris in the first year of his deal. And next thing you know, that next contract is commanding, I think, what, $9.5 million. And he totally just took that bridge deal and shoved it up the Canadian's ass. And if you are a believer in Charlie McAvoy, you don't want to sign him to a bridge deal because if you believe in him, then you think that he's going to go out and prove himself to be, say, a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. And then when that bridge deal is up in two, three years, you're not looking at $5 million a year, and you're not even looking at the $7.5 million a year that you're probably paying him on a 7 or $8 million deal. You are looking at 9 10 plus, and that is a nightmare for a team that right now is experiencing the pitfalls of mishandling the salary cap. So if you're the Bruins and you believe in Charlie McAvoy, you make the money work. You free up the cap space however you have to do it. Ideally, you hold on to Tory Krug, but you free up the cap space. Right now, you've got something like $7.3 million, and you sign Charlie McAvoy to 7 times 7 or 8 times 7.5, something like that, if he'll take it. So you don't have to worry about that next deal coming soon and coming much, much bigger than you want to pay. Well, the other thing is the Bruins have success at signing their guys young to long-term deals that end up looking cheap, right? Totally. I mean, that's Marshawn, what Pasternak, yeah. Yes, and so why do a bridge deal? Because they're, you know, obviously they're cap-constrained right now. You know, you, this has been said a thousand times. You have McAvoy, you have Carlo, and then you also have Krug next offseason. Um, and people forget also, I'm almost positive Jake DeBrusque is an RFA. Yeah, DeBrusque season. is next season, yeah. So that'll be really fun to uh to sort through. But again, like do do you make it is do you make um it, it's it's not Charlie McAvoy's fault that the Bruins signed David Backus, you know? And if you're the Bruins, you can't say, okay, we're going to let David Backus's situation dictate how we proceed with what could be a franchise player. And franchise player is a, a, a very, a, a grand term when you've got Marshawn and Pasternak and Bergeron and these guys on the roster. But to a lot of teams, that's what Charlie McAvoy would be. So you don't let that get in the way of signing Charlie McAvoy to the right contract. You figure out what is the right contract. You, you come to, to an agreement, come to terms with, Hey, what's it going to take to sign you for seven, eight years? And then once you know what that is, you ship out whoever you got to ship out and it's going to be a hit, but you've got your star player under contract for, for the right terms. I would so rather do that than say, okay, let's just squeeze him in for a couple of years and then kick that can down the road because down the road, you're going to be in even worse shape than you are in now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The long-term deal makes more sense because again, like it's going to look expensive now. People are going to say, well, McAvoy hasn't lived up to it. You know, we, we think he's going to be this, but we don't really know. But he's projecting to be a top 10 defense in the NHL. Um, and if, let's say, as you said, they sign him to seven and seven or seven and seven and a half or something, that's going to look cheap when he's a top 10 defense in the NHL three For years sure. down the road. And they have him completely locked up, no problem. And he wants to be here. He wants to be here. And they're, and again, they're good at giving these team friendly deals. They're good at getting guys to buy into, to, to sort of the team and taking less. You know, Troy Krug had said to, uh, Emily Kaplan last week that he, he'd probably take less. So my next question along the lines of Tory Krug, if you had to do it, 
which I don't know if you really have to yet. Would you trade Krug in order to free the cap space for McAvoy? Or would you even need to do it? I don't think that you would need to, but that would be that would be the quote-unquote easy thing to do because teams would be lining up to trade for Tory Krug, and by trading him, you're freeing up realistically four and a quarter, right? Because you're probably replacing that roster spot with somebody making a million or less. So in the... In the meantime, it allows you to say, sign Brandon Carlo at four and sign McAvoy at seven ish, right? I'm doing everything I can though, if I'm the Bruins to, to hold on to, to Krug, especially if he says he's going to take, uh, a, a hometown discount, which I totally believe he would do. He loves Boston. Everybody always says how much they love Boston. Krug has kind of put his money where his mouth is there. He moved to Boston after like a year or two playing here. Like he legitimately loves Boston, loves being a Bruin is a, I mean, hell, if we're going to kiss David Backus's ass all day for how good he is in the room, then let's do it with the other guys who are good in the room. Tory Krug is right at the top of that list. Like, it would be a shame to lose a player and a person the caliber of Tory Krug over this. So the alternative is like paying a team to take David Backus or really like shaving off like two or three guys off your roster and scrimping and saving for the next couple of years. And that's, that's dealing off Kevin Miller. That's dealing off, um, John Moore. That's dealing off John Moore and losing that guy uh in losing that asset to to hold throughout an expansion draft so like there would be there would be hits you'd have to take there but if Tory Krug will come back at a reasonable price and I don't know what that is uh then you do everything you can to make sure that, that, that you can actually live up to, to your end of that that's the thing you can't losing Krug, but I think some people look yeah. at him and they're like you know what he's short whatever they can replace him I'm like man like it's been like you, you haven't had players like him. Like, wh- why are you so dumb about this? It's like it's it's similar to like the Tuca thing. Like, man, forever you didn't have good goaltending, and then you had it with Tuca or with Thomas, and then Tuca, and you're and now you think that like good goaltending just grows on trees. Guys like Tori Krug, this isn't like a, a height joke. Like they do not grow on trees. <laughs> and the other thing is that Krug, you know. It's not like he was this highly regarded prospect. I mean, he was a winger in college, you know, and they just make him into this great offensive defenseman. He's had unbelievable success here. There aren't many guys in the NHL like him. There aren't. They're great offensive defensemen, obviously. Right. But it is size. And, and the other thing is they don't have to pay him as much because, I mean, he's good in the defensive zone. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a shutdown guy in his, in his own no, zone. He could, he hold. I, I would say that, I don't know, average, average is tough because you're saying like average relative to like a much bigger guy. But, um, I remember Claude used to say like, he doesn't have to be Chara. He like, if he can just go out and be like Brian Rafalski, who wasn't the biggest guy, but could, could manage in the defensive zone. And that's kind of how I feel about Krug defensively. I'm never going to think that he's like, that he's, I don't know, 
like anything special defensively, but A, when he's out there, he's generally not in his own zone, so you don't really need to worry about that. And B, he's responsible defensively. So I think that people way overlook the, the, like, oh, well, he's small and he's not great in his own zone. He makes up for any deficiencies in spades. Yes. And the other thing is I think people totally undersell how good he is on the power play and how if you lose a guy like him, you're not getting a power play quarterback of that caliber anywhere else. I mean, you know, Matt Grizzlick, maybe McAvoy, like kind of. But nowhere to the extent of Tory Krug are you going to No, have- Tory Krug was born to run a power play. Correct. At the right at the top of the key, right mm-hmm. at the top blue line, friggin' passing around, beautiful. That's that is literally why he was put on this earth. And people totally overlook that for oh, you know, he's he's a little small. Oh, he's you know he's he didn't seem that great in his defensive zone. Well, also he's with Brandon Carlo. Like that's sort of why yeah. they're t- they offset. You know, Brandon Carlo is the shutdown guy in his own zone. Tory Krug is the offensive wizard. It, it, it this playoffs showed how good that works. And not, not to make this like not to make this like the body issue of this podcast. When people talk about how Tory Krug is small, he is a bull. Like he yeah. is like a thick ass dude. And yes. I think that people just just look at his height and they're like, he's small. Like he is. I, I've said I've said this a million times. It sounds crazy. But he's like, he's one of those people that like, if you were to see in street clothes, you're like, that is a person I would have no interest in messing with. Yeah. And he's like, he's obviously like a, a small man, but he is like a, he is a, a, a bull. He's a tank. He is. And, and, and again, like the Robert Thomas hit. Granted, he had a million, he right. had a ton of momentum with him, but he leveled him. Level them. Yeah. And he, and he, and, and he has those hits during the season where he goes up against a guy who's taller, but not necessarily bigger. And he, and he wrecks them, you know, and people yeah. just totally miss that. So again, I like, if he, they got to find a way to keep Krug and be able to sign McAvoy to a solid deal and Carlo, cause Carlo seems like a pretty obvious, you know, give him six, seven years at four million. That sort of seems correct. That, yeah, that would be if he would do that, I would do that in a heartbeat. Because I don't know how much more he could actually um how much more his value would go up. Like what more he could do. I just think that year by year the market could maybe get a little bit bigger. So if you lock him in now, like like what he's doing right now, you could sign him for four million dollars. But if he does it in, say, 2023 and he's a free agent, then he's probably like five and a half million dollars. So if, well, you other, could, if you could lock him in at that number now, that's what I would do. The other thing is, you know, we sort of saw how good of a shutdown defenseman he can be. But that's not worth as much as saying off, like an off of, offensive right. defense, if they show signs of it, can hit, you know, 60, 70 points in a year. And then it's like, whoa, right. that's a lot of cash for them. But if he's just a shutdown defenseman who's really good in his own zone, that's very valuable to a team, don't get me wrong. But Yeah, but it, those numbers aren't going to go up, so it's not going that, to be like, right. Exactly. So the numbers, you can't really measure it that well, and it's not worth as much as an offensive defenseman. And so that's the thing with him. So if you, if, and I think I've said this all, we've all said this all summer. If you can sign him long-term to a, you know, a, Four, four and a half million dollar deal. Awesome. Awesome. And so 
this whole contract thing, I can't wait till it comes to an end because this has literally like been it for Bruins. Stuff. That's what's kind of confusing oh. for me. Like, why haven't they just gotten Carlo done? And well, and then say w- with McAvoy, we don't have the money yet. We're going to have to create it once we know what you're going to cost. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe then like there would be some perception of it would be more direct. You could tie uh, when someone's gone, like. Oh, they got rid of this guy to sign McAvoy. So I don't know. Maybe that would be some like messed up pressure to put on the kid. But I mean, you've got the money right now, certainly to get, uh, to get Carlo done. So I'm surprised that they wouldn't just, just wrap that up. They literally like took the summer off. It's funny. Bob McKenzie tweeted, uh, one agent observing the RFA dynamic with NHL training camp set to open this week said, quote, we're going to try to do in two or three days what we haven't been able to do in two or three months. Uh, and then. Bob McKenzie adds, the opening of camp is not by any means a hard deadline, but it is a pressure point of sorts. That's the thing. Like, you have all summer. I mean, granted, Sweeney and them have been think- most likely been thinking about this and know where they want to go with negotiations. But, you know, you got to get these things done. you got to yeah. get these things done. And now it's really crunch time. Now you actually have to do this stuff. And Sweeney can go out and say that he wants to have these guys as Bruins for life forever. But they got to find common ground with, with contracts. But, again, he's good at that. Bruins are good at that. So yeah, yeah, I I will. Uh, I don't doubt Sweeney's uh, contract extension acumen in the slightest. I mean, if there's one thing that guy can do, it's that. And obviously, he's done some other things well. But it is kind of funny, you know, to see him win GM of the year, and you're like, man, like I, I get it. Like the team went further than than people thought they would go. But like the good shit that he did, like wasn't necessarily this past year. Like, like he, like I'm giving him that GM of the year for signing David Pasternak a couple years ago and for signing David, uh, and for signing Brad Marchand a few years ago. Well, that's sort of the thing that you get GM of the year so far after maybe the things you did best, at least. Right. To earn it. Yeah. So, uh, what I want to hear your guess. Do you think the McAvoy signing happens this week? Ooh, I don't know. I'm not connected anymore, man. Not, not that I like that. That that sounded very uh, like. Don't sell shot. yourself short. Yeah. No, no, but I. I mean, I'm just like I just I, I don't text agents or like people in the know anymore. No, uh, I just mean like take a guess. Do you think it happens? Yeah. Um. My guess is. My guess is no. I would say I don't know. I'm just I'm just used to it not being done. So I think that's, that's, a good I, that's my thought too. It's like I can't see a world where it actually happens. It's been so long where like we've been waiting. I mean, Marissa and Jamie from the Herald was on a few weeks ago, and she was like, I was literally on call to to uh, to write something up on the McAvoy Carlos signings if it were to happen for like weeks on end and yeah. nothing. And so I think that it's just like a norm now, where it's like, yeah, it's just never gonna happen, but it will. What will just... bug me? What will bug me though is when people start saying that uh, that it's a holdout. That's uh, that that's where my like pronunciation police stickler thing pops up. It's not a holdout if the player doesn't have a contract. Like the reason these guys aren't going to be in camp is to be frank, Don Sweeney. Like it it is not Charlie McAvoy's fault that he doesn't have a contract. It is. The situ, the cap situation that their team and their general manager put them in, not leaving them enough money to sign these players. Like a few years ago, when uh, when Krug and Riley Smith didn't have contracts, Peter Shirley's fault. 
He signed Jerome McGinley the year before, knew what he was getting himself into, cap overages, et cetera, et cetera. Those players were not holding out. They wanted to play. They wanted to have contracts. The team just couldn't afford it. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to sort of see what happens because it's just like, it's got to happen one of these days, but it doesn't feel like it should happen. I don't know. It's all. Can big I ask thing. you a question? As I, we're, I, I think we're wrapping up here, right? Yeah, we're wrapping up. Okay, so uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, this this is probably not relevant for a training camp uh, preview, but uh, where do you think the Bruins finish in the Atlantic this this season? So this is something I've been thinking about. Um, the more I look at it, and this is a whole other podcast, but who cares? of course, I yeah. Um, the Lightning are coming off being swept in the first round. They have the, pretty much the exact same team. They have not won yet, so they're going to come back really hard. They're going to be in first again. Agree. The Maple Leafs got better. So no much talked, agree. So, so much, much agree. Better. You you trade out Nazem Kadri, who was a detriment. I don't care what his points are. He yes. got so many penalties in playoff games that that were suspensions and in five minute majors that helped the Bruins so much. You beat the Leafs. Twice because of Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri. And he's gone now. He's on the other side of the country. He's in Colorado. And they added Tyson Berry, who's one of the league's really good offensive defensemen. So, all right, there's another defenseman. They don't have defense. Now they kind of do. You have Morgan Riley. You you have uh, Jake Muzzin. You also have Tyson right. Berry. So there's the Leafs. And then, so... I, I don't know if I'm Say ready. To they're going to fit. They're, they're they're the third best team in the Atlantic. So, I think they no, are. I'm fine. No, I, I'm fine with saying they're going to be third. I think the question is, people are. I think also forget about the Panthers. Now, I don't think they're going to be ahead of the Bruins. Wow. I don't think they'll be. I do not think they'll be ahead of the Bruins. But they're good in net, at least during the regular season. Oh yeah. And they're actually pretty solid up front. You know, you have Barkov, Huberto, yep. good team. Achari. They add Achari, of course. On defense, they added Anton Strahlman, so mm-hmm. that's a good addition. Why not? They could be a wild card team. That's a, I mean, that, they, that is a dark horse team. I, I, I like that pick. I mean, my point was, I, I asked you that to say, last two years, you've gone seven games with the Leafs. Uh, I think that the Bruins are going to be probably the three seed this year. And I think that right now, I don't know that I necessarily take the Bruins in a seven game series against the Leafs. Given that they they struggled a lot, like I, I thought that they were the much better team than the Leafs the last two years, and for whatever reason, you needed Nazem Kadri to lose his mind a couple times in order to help you pass them. And they really struggled at points, especially this past uh, this uh, past first round against the Leafs. So like, you've barely gotten out of the first round the last two years, and yes, one of them yielded a cup run thanks to some splendid goaltending. But man, we get this thing where it's like, oh, they just went to the cup, so uh they're gonna go to the cup again, and that'll be that. I hate to say it, like you look at it and it's like, man, they barely got out of the first round, and the team that they barely beat got a hell of a lot better, and you're going to play them again in the first round. And if they're in third place, they don't have home ice. So yep. there's that. And you're you're also forgetting the lightning did not make it to the second round last year. Oh yeah, and, lightning are lightning are going to be like the 2011 yeah, Bruins. They're going to hit the postseason, being like, "All right, we're embarrassed. We get it." And obviously, it took the 2011 Bruins a few games to to figure it out. But once yes. they figured it out, they were like, "All right, nobody is touching us." Well, and on that, it's pretty common. Uh, maybe not in recent years, but it seems like a normal trend where 
you go to the cup and then the next year you kind of, you know, short off season. Yeah. You naturally are out in the first or second round. And the way the division's going to play out, the Leafs are bound to make it past the first round one of these years. If there was to be a year where they make it past, it's 100% this year because what happened last year was total luck on part of the, on who they faced. The Bruins played well enough, obviously, to the cup final, but came along without the Lightning, without the Penguins or the Capitals or, or any of those teams. That's not going to happen again. So you and, heard it here first. Trade Bergeron to out west and offer Sheet Marner so the so you can beat the, the Leafs in the, the first round this year. That was Wiggy who said it first. It was not you. Wiggy said trade Bergeron first. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I couldn't even – yeah, <laughs> Isn't that wild? One could say, one could throw out a crazy take like that and not get, you heard it here first credit. Wiggy on hockey, man, though. I love Wiggy on hockey. A, because he's awesome at hockey. He is a great hockey player. And B, because he just like looks at it a totally different way. And obviously a lot of the stuff he says, like the, like Chara being a healthy scratch just sounds so off the wall. And you're like, all right, this is wrong. But he's put a lot of stuff out there that I'm like, man, like I never thought of it that way. And you're on to something. So, well, because first of all, there's two things. Number one, any crazy take you make up, Wiggy's probably thought of it first. And second, secondly, I feel like there's a weird thing. Now, I've been doing Bruin stuff for like um, maybe a little over a year now. So I'm not really into it. You know, I don't know the thought process of everybody. But it feels like Bruins people are very afraid of thinking outside the box. It's very oh, narrow. Yeah. It's very, like I said, trade Halak during the off season. And you would have thought I killed somebody. Oh yeah. My guy, very Tommy confident. Giles was a, a big driver of that bus too. Yeah. People are very afraid of looking outside. And sometimes I am too. I tweeted after Wiggy said that about Bergeron. I said, I'm going to come and say it. I don't think the Bruins trade Bergeron. And people were like, you're right. You're totally right. Like you <laughs> went viral. And I'm like, this is such a stupid thing. But but it, people aren't afraid to, to think out of the box, especially on the Bruins, because everyone's so real and, and it's cool. Like people are like that, but nobody actually throws stuff out. Nobody, it's very, you know, right down the middle, narrow minded. It's, it's, you know, you don't think of stuff like that, but it's totally pot. It's, it is more possible than not that the Bruins finish in third place this year. I don't see why that's like a hot. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it, it brings me no joy, especially, I mean, I'll, t- I say it brings you no joy. It brings me, so much less than no joy because I hate when good things happen to Toronto sports teams. Like my favorite thing, like I watch sports so I can see Toronto fans be sad. It it absolutely sucked watching the Raptors win, win a title this year. Like I like watching Toronto fans get excited about their Toronto team and then see their Toronto team lose. It's a tale as old as time. I follow a lot of uh, pals from Toronto on Twitter so I can see the tweets of, hey, th- this team is special. No, it's not. They're going to lose. I can't wait to see it. But I think that this, I think that this year I, I could easily see, and I would say that it's even realistic to say that the Leafs will go farther than the Bruins. And it's fun in this town when the Bruins are making a run because then, then they become the number one uh, topic in town. You know, right now, obviously, it's the Patriots. You know, Bruins and Celtics sort of get their looks right after the Super Bowl ends. And if they're not good, it's kind of like the one time where everyone looks to them and goes, ah, well, whatever. 
And you don't want that. Like this year was fun because everyone was in on the Bruins and watching them. And when you're like hockey people like us, you love that because it's, it's, that is such a, a bit that's fish. such a good point. Like and people forget that and, and you want people to yeah. have your, their eyes on your sport. Like Felger and Bruins after the, after the Super Bowl for more than a minute. So that's, that's when it comes. That's, right. that's when you get the balls in the sport. And if they're out in, you know, April 15th or, or a little after that, then what is there left? Well, what the hell is there? Yeah. My, my favorite feeling in Boston sports now that, that you bring it up is when the Bruins are making a run and everybody is just all Bruins all the time. And that's a bit contradictory to the normal Bruins fan way of thinking, which is if you don't watch every game and you're not like, you're not as big a Bruins fan as me. I'm the biggest Bruins fan. Therefore I'm better than you. Like, I feel like that is finally, uh, and I think like people your age are helping it, Evan, like that you're like, yo, you're watching. Oh, you're watching the Bruins now. Cool. Do you want to talk about the Bruins? Let's talk about the yes. Bruins. Aren't the Bruins yeah. so great? It's like, isn't hockey the best? And it was always like when I was growing up, it was like, you liked hockey. Or you sucked. And Michael Hawley would always bring this up. He'd be like, why can't I just be a guy <laughs> who likes hockey and basketball? Like it was like, yeah. like people would be like, you either like one or you like the other. And it's like, is it really impossible for a sports fan to like two sports and two sports? That's like, I'm experiencing this now as I've uh, really gotten into basketball these last few years. Like the NBA. He's awesome, and it's so exciting. I still love the NHL just as much as I've always loved the NHL, but there for sure used to be a thing where if you were a hockey fan, it was like, man, you are either with us or you get the hell out and you never even come here when they when you, when you the playoffs come. It's the stupidest thing because it ruins it. It ruins it. Like, if you want to come be a diehard fan of the Bruins from – or diehard fan of hockey from yeah. April to – to June when the cup ends. Fine. Fine. Cause then you see how great hockey is. I have so many friends. I grew up with a lot of different sport friends and they would all kind of be like, you know, hockey's not my favorite thing, but playoff hockey's the best. And I'm like, yeah. damn fucking right. It is like, yes, it is. And, and, and if that can get you to watch a few more regular season games, then why not? Aren't we all trying to grow some sort of sport? Why are we just sitting here going, well, you either like it or you hate it. You can't actually have both. You have to just, you have to love it. You have to watch every single regular season game. I don't get that. Let right, it grow. Like if, cares? If, if people are going to not watch a basket, a college basketball game all season and then shut down their lives for March Madness, let them do that with hockey too. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like I don't watch a lot of like Dallas stars during the regular season. I think I get the, uh, the, the center ice package or whatever. I, uh, I usually right. get whichever one I can do on, on the iPad and, uh, I'll, I'll pick off random games, uh, here and there throughout the, the season when I can, when I can watch if I'm not working. But I mean, but for my schedule now, I, I work, uh, Monday through Friday at night, so I can only kind of watch stuff in the background. But man, I used to go from in the regular season, only really watching the Bruins and the Habs and like the, the, the relevant teams to me to when it got to the playoffs every night, I would sit on my couch and, and as I'm sure you do all the time, and just watch every playoff game I can watch. And that, that, those were my plans for 
every night, five nights a week. Just watch all the playoff hockey you can watch. Okay, Saturday weekend rolls around. Cool. I'm doing the same thing. Just watching hockey. Now I don't, I, I'm watching all these Dallas Stars games when I wasn't watching them in the regular season. Like I, I feel like I'm not going to have Dallas Stars fans come at me and be like, turn it off. You weren't watching the whole thing. It's like, if, if you want to get excited about hockey, hell yes, do it. And if you're a diehard hockey fan, welcome people. I mean, they say, please like my sport for a reason. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. Uh, last year, my girlfriend's formal. Uh, I was missing a Bruins playoff game, and I had it on my phone the whole time because I'm like, "Why am I like not watching? <laughs> it's not normal." So, yes, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. That turned into a whole whole thing about hockey. To, and- yeah, I just I just really wanted to hit the Atlantic Division uh, for a second with you, but I'm glad that that turned into a uh, a hockey exclusivity uh, <laughs> discussion. Well, yes. No, it's it's totally relevant and. During the season preview, maybe I'll have you back on and we can sort of dive deeper on the whole Atlantic Division thing because I think it's something everyone's overlooking. But for now, we're going to yes. do a training camp and contracts. So, DJ, thank well, this you. Well, this will be the, the one thing that Wiggy didn't say before us. If the, yes. <laughs> if the Leafs yes. do better than the Bruins, we'll be like, no, no, swear to God, you heard it here first. We, Wiggy did not beat us to this one. Wiggy did not beat us to the Bruins probably will finish in third place this year. There's some people, there's a, there's the occasional guy on Twitter who'll be like, the Bruins won't even make the playoffs. The Bruins are going to suck. So they, they, a broken clock is right twice right. a day. But I don't think they'll be right on that. Anyways, DJ, thank you for coming on. DJ, do you have anything you want to plug before I let you go? Hey, anything that, that you, I'm going to plug hockey. Check it out. Yes. It's an incredible oh. sport. Whenever it's on any level, it's, it's good. I mean, don't just like randomly go to like kids games if you don't know the kids, but <laughs> any hockey, so go watch it. If you want to play it, do it. Hockey, the best. That's my plug. I agree with you on that plug. Anything hockey is good. Anything hockey is great. And also check out Boston Sports tonight and anything NBC Sports Boston that DJ or anybody else is on because it's a great Hell program. Yeah. And the brunch podcast while we're plugging. Yeah. And, and that. And you can listen to any podcast you want as long as you listen to this one first anyways dj thank you for coming on uh, i'll see you probably around hockey season and uh for clns media i'm evan marinovsky you guys have a great week 